Hey, hey, welcome to the MOD Report. This is the show where we talk all things HR and the crazy things we go through in the hospitality industry. I'm your host, Dr. Ryan Giffen, and today we're going to go a little off of our typical uh, template of our show as we're joined by my husband again, Giovanni Prada. Hey, hey. Hey, boo. <laughs> Hi. So um, I don't know if you all recall, if you're a listener of the show, you'll recall that Gio joined us uh, for episode six, Robots Taking Your Jobs, when we had a very interesting discussion about how robots are taking over the hospitality industry back in episode six. And here we are several weeks later in the midst of the coronavirus pandemic. That's right. And there's still some debate whether or not I'm an actual robot. So, <laughs> Oh boy, here we go. So today we thought we would um, just sit around uh, the studio and just kind of share with you some of the ideas that Gio and I have been discussing around the dinner table in regards to the future of hospitality and just uh, kind of see where the conversation takes us. And of course, we would love your thoughts. So please subscribe, leave some comments um, in the comment section of the podcast or even go on the website, nospire.com and join the conversation. Um, so yeah, let's get to it. So the future of hospitality, uh, let's, you know, um, Gio, remind me, because we weren't together then, September 11th, 9-11. Yeah. Um, September 11th. Where were you? I was actually a sophomore in college. Were you so the I night was, auditor? No, I hotel? wasn't a night auditor yet. I was still um, in college. I, it wasn't until a year after September 11th where I joined the hospitality industry. Okay. How were occupancy levels uh, when you started? Do you remember? They were still, they were good. They were, they were, they were okay. Um, I, you know, I, I was at a limited service property up in Superior, Colorado, which is really close to Boulder. And they were, they were pretty solid. So, you know, um, and, and the truth of the matter is, and I, and I think, you know, depending on how this pandemic kind of rolls out and how we can really contain, contain it, um, I think we're going to, we're going to see a rebound. And if you look at CBRE, at star at all the projections there's a lot of pent up travel desire i mean you and i talk about this all the time we yeah. want to get out of the house but can we afford it well that's the thing right you know that's that's where the slowdown is going to happen and i think what will happen is we'll see occupancy rates go up right and then we're going to see adr go down because people are going to want to travel they just don't have the money or they don't have the, the dollars okay, to be able up, to go out there up, and travel up. let's let's back up because a lot of folks uh, may not know what i mean occupancy is pretty obvious Our how ADR. full your hotel is but adr average daily rate and then we could even get into ref par as long as we can make it very simple to understand but i mean you look at the luxury segment right now with occupancy levels at 5% for Southern California, yeah. meaning only 5% of the hotel rooms are full. Sad. Yeah. And RevPAR at about $9 Ugh. for RevPAR on the latest star report. That's what so, keeps me up at night, if you're wondering. So let's let's ask Gio. I mean, he's um, director of digital marketing, but let's, um, let's uh, quickly define when we talk about ADR, 
and RevPAR and occupancy, when hoteliers talk about that, what does that mean exactly? When we say ADR is going to bounce back or it's not, what does sure. that mean exactly? Sure. So your average daily rate, um, hotels sell rates uh, for different people at different times, right? So um, sometimes they get a rate on Expedia. Sometimes they have some groups at a different rate. So if you average those all together, that's your average daily rate. Yeah. Right. Um, and then rev par is revenue per available room. Right. So if a room sits at zero, it brings down that average uh, down uh, for the entire property. Right. So even if you get a few dollars for that room, it's going to be a little bit more beneficial than if it were to sit empty. And everyone's heard that before. Right. There's there is a point of diminishing return where you don't want to um, have it go under a certain threshold. That's a whole different podcast. But uh, in general, because let's say if you have 100 rooms, you want to get at least something for each one of those rooms. Um, and then when you put them all together and get an average for those, um, then that's your revenue per available room. Okay, great. So um, so when you say that um, the hotel industry is going to bounce back and the projections yeah. are predicting how people want to come back and travel. Yeah. What about, I mean, do people have money to like go travel? I mean, even us, we're looking at, and, and we haven't been furloughed or laid off um, unlike some of our listeners, but it still has impacted how we think about how we're going to travel in January and what kind yeah. of rates we're looking for. That's the thing. That's the thing. You know, there's going to be pent up demand, which is great for the industry, right? Um, but um, there's just not a lot of dollars to be able to sustain that. So what we typically see during these types of markets when average daily rate goes down, um, we see people kind of steer or, or go down one tier in terms of what they're willing to pay for. So people who would normally stay at a luxury property might stay at a, just an upscale property. And then we continue to see that pattern down the road until things kind of regulate out. And that's that's probably realistically a year and a half, two years out until things kind of come back to a quote unquote normal economic level. In about two years. Yeah. I mean, you don't think it's going it, to be longer? It could and it could not. It just depends. It depends on really what the government does to be able to stimulate the economy um, and, and how quickly things rebound. And the truth is, you know, we're looking at projections right now um, at other parts of the world where they were impacted first, right? So China, Italy, Spain, you're like all of Europe. And we're trying to get an understanding of what post-COVID looks like. Right, um, right. Because I don't think we've ever, at least in our lifetime or a family's lifetime, we've never seen anything like this. No. Um, uh, and particularly now that the hospitality travel tourism industry is much larger today than it was maybe during the Spanish flu or right. any of the other pandemics. Um, I mean, heck, even when I was with Marriott and we had the SARS outbreak, um, and then after the SARS outbreak, it was 9-11, right? Right. And um, even then, it still took a good year or so because... I think travelers are still scared, so um, scared to travel, at least after 9-11. So what Absolutely. about what about now? You say, like, um, including me, um, I, I want to get out. I want to go, you know, I, I miss my trip to New Orleans and possibly now Australia. And do I really want to get on an airplane this summer um, to go travel to these places? And, and, and the truth is, like, what other regulations are going to come out of this, right? That's the other pieces. Yes, demand is going to be there. Everyone's going to want 
the desire to travel, but what regulations and what things our organization is going to have to do to be able to uphold new regulations, which I'm, I know that's coming really soon. Um, we're already kind of seeing that in, in the airline industry where uh, they're not selling the middle seat anymore. Right. So thank God. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> but that means, well, they still need to make the revenue for it. No, so right. guess what's going to, what's going to happen where the, the, the travelers are going to end up working over the cost for the middle seat mm-hmm. at mm-hmm. this point. Right. So, well, um, flights will be, uh, there'll be less flights out of the airports. Right. They'll be, um, they definitely start charging more for baggage fees and God knows what else, but. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, and they I all got to make a profit, right? Every every part of the the travel and hospitality industry is going to be impacted in one way or another. Whether we're going to have to see uh, a lot less seats in a restaurant, um, we're going to have to see a lot more information, probably more than I'm comfortable as as a marketer um, about cleanliness standards and safety standards in the entire process of a hotel booking. Right? I, as a marketer, that doesn't want you don't want to sell. This, that, that piece of the message, right? But I think we have to put it up front and be really clear about what those new standards are going to be and whether or not the hotels are living up to those standards. Yeah. How do you regulate that? Well, we don't. We don't. So um, I think one of the things that we're seeing is like the CDC um, is putting a lot of information out. Uh, local health officials are, are doing a great job with putting information on, on what those regulations need to look like. And they're the we're you know we're we're hoteliers. We should continue to stay being hoteliers. We should not try to explain uh, medical um processes or or standards in any way shape or form we need to let that stay for the professionals but we need to ensure that one we can um dissect and understand what those new regulations are and and how to best um deliver those for all of our guests because um if we try to uh uh, comprehend what that is or, or try to put our own standards in place um it's just putting a lot of liability on all of those um, restaurants and spas. And, and by the way, spas are going to be a really yeah. interesting one Yeah. Um, because I don't know about you, yeah. you know, that's, that's high touch. That's yeah. high touch. Oh so, my God. Remember like a couple years ago, I don't know if you remember this. We, we went to like a shady massage place off Broadway. That's all I'll say. Um, that <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's throwing up a lot of red flags about. I think you need to um, hold on, hold on. <laughs> divulge a little more information. That's that's it's a great deal. Listen, there's a there's a lot of great places in, in the city of Long Beach over off Second Street in Belmont Shore, up in even North Long Beach area in Belmont Heights and whatnot. But there there was this place that we went to. And I remember saying to you after we left that she kept coughing and she had a runny nose and kid you not this was several years ago but kid you not about four to five days later i got sick yeah and i was in this very small room right it was a very small room smaller than a bedroom um five by five room and you know she's sneezing and coughing and still giving me this massage and even though i tried to like cover my mouth and cover my nose when i was on my stomach it, it, you know, as yeah. we have now learned the, the, the six foot rule, right? right? Those particles are in the air and you know, anyway, but you're right. Yeah. The yeah. spa industry, that, high touch, high, 
high level touch. So yeah. and again, I'll go back. So what to is that going to look like? We're going to have a again, we're going to have a massage therapist with a mask. I don't know. So that's the thing is we, a we robot? need to <laughs> maybe. <laughs> uh, you know, I love me a robot, but um, I we need to let that be decided by local health officials on the CDC. Do not try to figure this out on your own. You know. Do you think government po- politicians and like the CDC and whatnot? Do they really understand what these people do for a living? You know what I mean? Like I sometimes yeah, feel like really good question, legislatures actually. go out there and they make these laws without actually consulting the hospitality experts, whether that be the professionals right. in the industry or even the high level hospitality researchers right. and professors out there. Well, there, there's a lot of, um, luckily for, for the industry, there's a lot of great organizations like the National Restaurant Association. Um, oh, now I'm forgetting the, the hotel one, but there's a AHLA. lot of- AHLA. Thank you. So um, they go out and they lobby and they work with the, these organizations to be on behalf of the industry to be able to really kind of dissect what all, what it's going to look like. Yep. And, and so, yeah, they're, they're, um, they're not experts in, in hospitality, but, but they work with- our experts to be able to decide what that looks like. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Let's talk about employees and employee retention and satisfaction. Um, Cause we all know that's my area of uh, research and interest. And I'm, I'm very curious um, how the COVID-19 or coronavirus is going to impact um, employee satisfaction. You know, we have uh, in California, minimum wage is, is slowly creeping up to $15 an hour, yeah. um, even higher. And some d- jurisdictions already have it. Um, such as Los Angeles, the city of San Francisco, already have high minimum wages. And a great majority of those employees have been furloughed or completely laid off and will not be returning, or um, even if furloughed, may not want to return, may not want to return because perhaps they feel scared. Yeah. Maybe I have even students, you know, that are studying hospitality management are scared and concerned of studying this field because one day they could potentially, you know, I guess that's the question. Is it a high risk? Actually, I have a lot of questions. Is it high risk going into this industry as an employee? Is it high risk to go into it knowing that I'm going to be furloughed or laid off because we are an industry that solely depends on discretionary income? And then I want to ask, and I'll remind you, uh, and talk about, you know, what about that employee satisfaction, employees coming back to work and, uh, and retaining them post COVID-19. Right. You know, so to answer your first question, it's the, do I want to go into this industry? Yeah. Well, that's with, with any industry. I think all these industries right now across the board, um, with, you know, with the, the exception of some retail, some of those essential, uh, um, industries, are in the same boat, right? So, and the, the truth of the matter is uh, people don't go into this industry uh, because um, uh, of, of making a, a huge paycheck. Let's, 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 let's just throw that out there. It's not the reason. It's because truly you appreciate service. Yeah. You are hospitable. You care, uh, genuinely care about creating moments and experiences for other people. That's what makes it special. To your point, though, is the most critical thing about this and what is going to be very interesting to see, especially um, from from my side, um, kind of looking at the industry as a whole, is what makes this industry special isn't the beautiful rooms and the destinations and all those things. It's the people. It is 
the 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 frontline person who uh, welcomes you with a genuine smile and and cares that you're you know what you're there for and uh, can remember your name and your preference. All those little like touches, those details, yep. is what makes this industry magical. And what's going to happen is, and what I'm kind of you know watching and, and afraid of is, what are what did we do as hoteliers during this time frame to take care of our employees knowing that we're not selling a product we are selling a service yep. and the service is all based on the individuals who were impacted and furloughed during this time yep yep and i think that's key it's how we are treating our employees now yeah and and i i said this way before the shutdown started happening um i i said you know it, it, this is going to be when brands I don't care what brand you are, what company you are, whether you're Amazon, Nike, or just a little hotel motel, mom and pop uh, hotel down the street. But this is when brands can really show that they're going to survive. Yeah, I probably didn't say that right. But um, the brands and the companies that are going to survive are the ones that are giving service back to their people, their employees, but as well as their community. And, you know, I think of Lori Gray, who we had on the show back on episode 12, when we talked about entrepreneurship and women in the industry, uh, Lori Gray, the, the founder of Pi Bar. This, this story is by, I know where you're going with this. I love this story. Yeah. Um, not only does she uh, treat her, her people well and whatnot, but she's in there um, as the owner, getting her hands dirty day in and day out, but ran a, ran a promotion, if you even want to call it that but getting local community involvement. And um, it was a deal where if you purchased a pie on, on, on behalf of, um, and feel free to fill in the gaps here. Um, I haven't had lunch yet. So, you know, my thoughts are everywhere. Um, <laughs> but you purchase a pie and she would go and deliver it to first responders, the police department, the hospitals, the doctors and nurses. And you can go to her website and you can visit it. And she has pictures up there on Instagram and everything. And the amount of impact she's having on the community and the attention that she's bringing from a brand standpoint is, I, I, I can't even measure it. It's, it's, well, it's and huge. I, yeah. And I think also what it does to the employees that are with her, right? So what it's doing is creating a sense of greater purpose to her employees yeah. that they're a part of something bigger. They're not just behind a counter um, serving pie, uh, and then just, you know, checking a box and then getting out of there. They're part of something bigger. And especially right now where community is the most important thing for anybody, uh, because we're in survival mode. Um, we need to be able to, uh, get to with brands that really truly care about their community, big or small. And that, you know, into my, in my eyes, that that's, that's a big thing that she's doing, but even little small things yeah. like, giving your, your employees a roll of toilet paper yeah. when they need one, right? Or um, those employees, if you have a, a, a cafeteria where you normally feed all your employees, let the furloughed employees come back and 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 take a, get a meal for the yeah. day, right? Like the, the thing is like little things go a really long way and you have to remember during times like this that you are in the service industry and it's, the people who are providing that service that make it special. Yeah, definitely. Awesome. Well, any other thoughts? 
Well, I think also here's here's a, a, a really big question mark that's going to come out of this, in my opinion, is um, not just whether or not people are going to go back to traveling because I, I, you know, I think they will, but I think there's going to be a new normal. There's going to be a new normal across all aspects of this until it's really contained, and even after it's contained, um, there's a little bit of trauma that's going to live inside a lot of us um, around what cleanliness feels like what um what spaces are going to feel like right so i think what we're going to see in a few years from now is a different type of um design design yeah. is going to be where innovation is going to live from this and we're going to see new spaces because what what we saw uh during this time was it was that was severely impacted was the fact that um these very high touch um, intimate um, uh, venues and uh, restaurants and, and and hotels and those things that are really kind of cramped together were the least traveled to. And they were, I, I will say my prediction is that they will be the least traveled to after this as mm. well because that's still going to live in the back of people's minds. And so it's going to be very interesting to see, you know, two, three years from now, when we start seeing new buildings, new development come in, what that's going to impact um, the design aspect. And I think that it'll be, it'll actually be really innovative. Yeah. Um, the other thing that I think is going to be interesting to see is that um, the hospitality industry, uh, mostly, you know, on the restaurant side was, uh, had to quickly innovate, had to quickly change their method. And, 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 and I'm going to use CPK as an example, cause they're in our backyard. Um, they went to, they quickly adapted to turning um, their restaurant into a grocery store. They quickly adapted to understanding that people's behaviors are, they just don't want to go items. They want to take things and then make them at home. So they, they had taken bake before, but they really expanded it up upon take and bake. Um, they had a really great online mobile platform that was easy to order, easy yeah. to execute. And then they did the, easy to pick up. So you drive up, you text a number, and then they bring it out to you. So very low touch, very, um, very understanding innovation. And what's going to happen is those habits that we created within, you know, this two month, three month window are going to stick with us for a while because there are habits now, right? Yeah, so yeah. we're now going to be more prone to online ordering, um, uh, curbside pickup, grab and go. Um, so I think that's going to stick around for a long period of time, not because people don't want to go up, but we've just instilled that behavior into them. So now I think we have to continue to innovate. So if industries, restaurants um, particularly didn't do that during this time and they chose from a um, financial perspective to just completely shut down, the truth of the matter is, they will probably need to look and 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 look at those options again because those behaviors have changed. Yeah. And and I don't know how adapt people will be to just going back to that after this. Well, I think, you know, change is difficult for anybody and once that change happens, you start building a new habit and then it becomes seamless. We saw that again with 9/11, the way airport security was and, TSA. you know, TSA the, is the, new. well, yeah, the TSA was born out of it yeah. via Homeland Security was invented out of the Bush administration because of 9-11. That agency never existed before then. 
you know, taking off your shoes at the airport. Your your grandma's not visiting you at uh, the gate anymore to welcome you home. And those were some difficult changes for a lot of people. But guess what? We overcame them. Yeah. And now it's just it's the the new normal, right? It's the new normal. So. Um, I, I, I will agree. say, I will say, that I do appreciate not having to walk you to your gate wow. anymore. Wow. Maybe not you. <laughs> wow. But the fact That's... that I can just, you know, drop you off to the curb or drive. Here we go. <laughs> you say, and, and we all wonder why I'm so eager to travel again. Oh boy. Oh boy. Just kidding. Um, so to end this segment, I want to paraphrase a quote from Peter Drucker that came to mind as Gio was talking about the new normal and change. And what Dr. Peter Drucker, the management guru of our, of our time, would say is that the companies that fail to change are bound to be doomed. The companies that fail to change are bound to be doomed. So if you are a... a, a a company executive out there and you have any influence in the role in which your organizations, particularly in hospitality, have to change to conform to the new normal post-COVID-19, that's what you're going to need to do is you have to change with the times. And if you fight it and you're resistant to it and you don't want to make any of those changes, whether it be your interior design or um, uh, your, your processes and employees and contact and the spas, et cetera, uh, your companies will likely go under and suffer uh, the consequence of of poor revenue. So um, I love that quote. It's a good quote. Paraphrase quote. So thank you, Gio. Thank you for making this long journey over to my office about 35 steps from the living room. Thank you. And thanks for being my, my favorite isolating buddy. Oh, of it's course. Been, it's actually been great. It has been great. Yeah. All right. Well, we're going to go uh, have lunch that's being delivered to us. I believe we're having panini grill today. Yeah, Postmates panini. Postmates panini. Yeah, I'm excited. I, highly recommend it. So good. Hey, thanks, everyone. Stay healthy. Stay safe. And, of course, please visit us at inaspire.com. Leave your comments. Feel free to, to click a link in there, too, if you have ideas that you want to see on the show. Or if you want to even call in and you want to have a conversation with me and or Geo about what's going on and just your thoughts. Uh, we're happy to make another show and talk with you. So just hit me up online. Uh, you can find me on LinkedIn or again, just go to that website and click submit ideas. That's inaspire.com. Visit podcast and then click on submit ideas. Hey, thanks everyone. And we'll talk to you soon.